from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And happy Monday to you. Welcome to the program. This is America's Late Night Town Hall. We are live. We are national, and our phone number is 833, the number 4, Valdez. That's my last name, 833-482-5337. Of course, you can get us on the legacy line. That's not going anywhere, 866-505-4626, 866-505-4626. And... Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of things tonight. We're going to talk about, you know, everything that's going on culturally in America and how uh, these conversations need to happen and are happening. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the truth behind the 1619 Project and how that might not accurately tell all of black history. Uh, obviously, it's Black History Month. And um, we're going to get into that as well in the next hour. And we're also going to talk about why on earth are little kids cartoons and storybook uh, uh, characters like uh, the little fat bear with the short t-shirt, Winnie the Pooh. Why is that becoming like a slasher flick now? Yeah, well, that's happening. And uh, we're going to get to the bottom of why things like that are happening as well. But first, I want to get to some headlines because clearly there's a lot going on out there. There always is. Um, this is a funny one. I just have to throw this one out here. The The president of Mexico uh, is making claims that it is proof of something uh, of a mythical woodland elf. And he's tweeting out an old picture. And he, like, legitimately did this. <laughs> and I think it's very funny. Uh, and I, I retweeted it earlier because I said, oh, my gosh, I even need those, actually, what I said, because I thought that was pretty interesting. But uh, there's another Hunter Biden associate that's now threatening to drop some names in uh, in the Biden Inc., fiasco, uh, where he is alleged to be the bag man for his dad, the president, or back then the vice president of the United States, who was cutting deals and putting money in one door and getting it another way. And all sorts of uh, interesting things were happening with good old Hunter Biden and uh, somebody that, not Bobolinsky, but yet another person that was um, part of his, uh, his little cabal there is saying, you know what? Uh, I might have to drop some names here. Now, uh, the the um, Biden administration is also taking a little scrutiny here because they've loaned three hundred and seventy five million dollars to a law firm that's been very, um, I don't know, let's say supportive of uh, Chuck Schumer. And um, this is an interesting thing because the Department of Energy extended this conditional loan three hundred and seventy five million dollars to a Canadian battery recycler uh, known as. Let me see if I get this right. Lycycle Holdings, so I guess, or Lycycle Holdings, I guess that's short for lithium, uh, to construct a hub in Rochester, New York. So the government is loaning the money. And again, I, you know, you know my theory. I, I don't want the government involved in business, but I understand the arguments pro and con. Now, the loan is going to be dispersed through the Department of Energy's Advanced Technology Vehicles Manufacturing Program, also known as ATVM. 
How's that for an acronym? And that's part of the Biden administration's wider goal of enhancing domestic battery uh, manufacturing and having half of all new vehicles be zero emission by the year 2030. This is according to the Department of Energy in a statement they made earlier today. Democrat uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York, who visited um, Lifecycle's Rochester hub back in September, advocated for the firm to receive the federal funding. Wow, lo and behold, look at that. Politicians getting involved in business. And um, that one was reported by Reuters. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, (laughs) Chuck Schumer, he uh, tweeted this out uh, earlier. Uh, saying, you know, he was thanking everybody for supporting the Inflation Reduction Act because part of the Inflation Reduction Act where we're supposed to save money on inflation, which actually added to inflation, also added $375 in a loan from the government to a battery recycler, um, which he says is creating jobs in New York. And again, I'm not saying that it is or it isn't. I just, I think that there should be a private sector, and there is, and that the private sector should do business within the private sector. I don't think the government should be lending out money, uh, not for school loans, not for anything else. I really just, I, I don't think the government should be in the business of banking. Uh, call me crazy, but that's where I fall on that one. Now, um, there's also uh, a big, big news with the lab leak theories, no longer a theory. Apparently, uh, the former CDC director, Robert Redfield, uh, Dr. Redfield says that, yeah, this is uh, the uh, likely the, the cause that, you know, it, this was being engineered in a lab for what they call gain-of-function research, where they test it and try and make it more lethal and hope with the hopes of getting a, a, uh, a vaccine that could, you know, withstand mutations and whatnot. At least that's their theory. And in trying to be fair with that theory, that's what they said they were doing when it escaped uh, leaking out of the place, probably with one of the... Um, laboratory workers that was handling that. So uh, that's the, uh, the the news of the day coming out of Washington on, on that. And I think that's interesting because this lab leak theory, um, I remember Jen Circle back Pasaki, remember her? Well, she, um, you know, she had a lot to say back then, but she's back and saying that, you know, uh, COVID, uh, we, we didn't know. We just didn't know how that worked. And it, it's, uh, well, let, let's let her say it. She says it better than I do. Listen to this. There was a right. report back in 2021, go. Joe, where the same intelligence agencies had similar conclusions. What is new, as you just noted, is the Department of Energy, because they have the national labs, because President Biden asked them to use all of their resources to look into it, did conclude with low confidence. But the FBI has was was had moderate confidence back in 2021 and still has that today. So not a ton has changed. The reason, as you just alluded to, is because the the Chinese are not providing data and it originated there. And they, the WHO, the World Health Organization has asked them to do that. The Biden administration, countless European countries. And until they do that, and I doubt they ever will at this point, it will be very difficult even for the intelligence agencies in the United States or any other country to have a, a real conclusion of what the origin is here. So interesting, not insignificant, the Department of Energy, but we still don't actually really know. Okay, we don't know. We don't know. You know, what's so funny is she almost started to sound like Trump for a minute there saying, you know, this came from China, China virus. Uh, She, you know, she stopped short of that and then ended with, but but we don't know. Now, I think that's funny. Jen Pasakopasaki and her replacement, Karine Jean-Pierre, who 
you guys have uh, submitted some really good names and recommendations for her. I haven't come up with a funny nickname for her yet, but um, she wanted to um, chime in on this and and say that this is all because you guys want to attack Fauci. Listen to this. I I do want to speak to Dr. Fauci because uh, the political attacks on someone like Dr. Fauci who uh, and, and public officials more broadly, but Dr. Fauci, who has spent his career saving lives uh, and, um, you know, whether it was the AIDS epidemic or as we have just uh, coming out of this uh, 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 COVID, this once in a generation pandemic, uh, these attacks have been counterproductive. They have not been helpful. Uh, this is someone, again, who has spent his almost entire career uh, fighting for the well-being, the health of the American people. And so I just want to call out the political attacks. I think, again, it's not been helpful. Dr. Fauci himself has said he agrees with the president uh, that we needed to get to the bottom of this, to get to the bottom of where COVID originated. And that's what the president did from almost the, certainly the first few months of his administration. So there we have the uh, Karine Jean-Pierre uh, saying that yeah, this is all about attacking Fauci. She says he's a lifesaver. He's a sweetheart. He's a grand old guy. And, and she she obfuscates from the truth. And she just ignores the obvious that she spent, uh, I don't know, all of her career in the White House pretty much saying, you know, we don't know about this. It's inconclusive. Meanwhile, more and more evidence points in that direction. And they're still playing the runaround. So. We'll continue to keep uh, our, our eyes peeled on this, but um, interesting stuff. And uh, we're going to try and get one of our famous doctor friends who uh, is an expert on this COVID stuff to come back and give us the scoop uh, from their opinion on the latest news on that. But I also want to talk about how they've been canceling everybody across America and why it's so important to be informed patriots. Patriots need to get together and need to spend some time with one another to hone their activism skills. And we're going to talk about that coming up next. So don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez here, and uh, I want to talk about why it's so important for us to uh, kind of like Reagan uh, commanded, if you will, uh, or suggested that we be informed patriots, right? And it's so important, I think, to be an informed patriot because there's a lot of things happening. And sometimes you could be involved in your own activism, whether it's going to school board meetings or whether it's being involved in media or whatever it is that you do to promote your cause. For me, I, I, I believe in liberty and I believe in the conservative movement because I think that is the best thing for my family, for my children, for myself, for our country. And when you, you're doing it, sometimes you just get you know like a hamster in a wheel and you just keep going and going and going. But every now and again, I think it's a great idea to connect with others that are in, on the forefront of this movement so that you can hear new ideas and see what other people are doing. Because when you follow the news, if you're a news junkie like I am and so many of you that are listening at late night uh, definitely are, 
you, you, you can get discouraged, right? When you see headline after headline of Biden this and Biden that. And it's so important to, I think, get with like-minded people and, and, and learn and connect and uh, just really it's a time of fellowship and no better place than CPAC, right? The Conservative Political Action Conference. Uh, it's the biggest um, activist uh, gathering that I've seen for conservatives ever. And, uh, and it's a great time. And I want to welcome Mercedes Schlapp. She's a senior fellow at CPAC. You've seen her all over TV. She was in the Trump administration. Mercedes Schlapp, welcome to the program. Oh, it's great to be on, Rich. You bet. I'm happy to have you. So I want to talk uh, a little bit about this year's CPAC theme. And I mean, I, people hear about CPAC all the time, but I don't know that they always right. get the right, um, I don't know, the, the, the bird's eye view and they can really yeah. understand what it's all about. I always think that there's some myths out there. You know, I was at a restaurant the other day here in Alexandria, Virginia, and a woman came up to me and said, I thought that you had to be invited to go to CPAC. And we're like, no, 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 you just, you you come, you just come, you just (laughs) register and come and get your tickets. Um, That was one of the things I've learned is that a lot of people think like, oh, it's like an exclusive thing. We can't get in there. And it's like, no, this is about all these grassroots activists, not only from here in America, but we have activists coming from across the globe, from places like Italy and Hungary and Korea and Japan and Australia and Brazil and Israel. Uh, Because what's happened is is that CPAC not only is an American phenomenon, but is an international phenomenon as well. Why? Mm -hmm. Because we all yearn for these freedoms. We all want to learn from each other to make sure that we stop socialism, stop communism in its tracks. Because as you mentioned, Rich, the way that we can achieve prosperity, the way that we can actually have one's fulfillment and make sure that your families have better lives is when you push forward with free market capitalist principles where, in essence, you make sure that you protect the families, protect the children, protect our borders, protect our nation. And that's why our theme this year is protecting America now. What we have seen coming from the Democrats for too long, and especially lately, I would say, the leftist movement is this desire to insert government into every part of our lives, indoctrinate our children, meaning if I have a boy and my boy goes to school and comes back and says, wait a second, I think I'm a girl. And now we have to deal with pronouns, which should be left in English grammar, as opposed to having to deal with this everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a critical race during that's all theory that's been pushed down the throats of many of our students. And in essence, they try to take over these kids and really brainwash them, even through social media and TikTok, where you're pushing this gender ideology that's very dangerous for these young minds. Add to that the fact that we have these growing adversaries in China and in Russia that puts us in a, in a weakened position. And then on top of that, we have inflation. We have families. Now, I was just reading today in the Wall Street Journal about millennials who are struggling to pay their debts off. And in essence, you know, the prices have gone so high in terms of food, in terms of electricity, gasoline. And so it's unsustainable. And this is partly due to uh, you, being Biden being in power for two, year, two years and the consequences of basically pushing forward with an America last policy instead of an America first policy, which is what we experienced under President Trump. 
100% right. Everybody, we're on with Mercedes Schlapp, a senior fellow at the American Conservative Union who puts on the CPAC conference, Conservative Political Action Conference. And I want to remind everybody that you're invited, right? You are invited to yes, attend please, CPAC come join us. <laughs> at National Harbor uh, Gaylord Resort. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to be there. A matter of fact, I, I guess I could say this because I just got an email today about it, that I'm going to be um, one of the speakers. And I believe I'm interviewing Mercedes Schlapp on stage, know, which is going to be really cool. Actually, the best part about it is we're going to be working on the activist training, which I'm very passionate about, which are really the hardcore activists that want to really make a difference in their communities. And we're going to be talking about a variety of topics from ballot harvesting, election integrity. I think you and I are going to be talking about the importance of the Latino voter and how to make sure that we can reach out to Latinos, which share so many of our values, that of freedom, that of uh, making sure that our families can thrive. Uh, that of ensuring that government doesn't get in the way of your life and uh, and 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 really stopping, again, that leftist radical agenda that's been so harmful in America. I think so many of us out there in the country right now are looking at America and saying, what is going on here? Why is there such chaos? Why are our schools in disarray? Why is crime up in so many cities? And they recognize that uh, we really need change. And you're also seeing the fact that people are leaving these blue cities, these blue states, going to red states. Uh, because they know that that's where there's prosperity and opportunity for themselves and for their families. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. And, and you know, it, it, while that's happening, and I'm so grateful for anybody that says, what the heck is going on? Because they think things are out of control. I'm also very concerned about people like, you know, there's a, you know, my family's from Puerto Rico, but my, uh, my, my, my favorite coffee lately is this Cuban spot that's not far from my house. And I go there every morning for a cafe con leche, and it's terrific. And I go there, and I meet all the people from the area, and, and I, I shoot the breeze with them. It's almost like being in Miami, for, honestly. It's that kind of vibe. Yeah, and yeah. a guy comes in, and he tells me, you know, the problem with, with this country, Colombian guy, um, immigrant, relatively maybe 25 years in the country, is that we put too much emphasis on religion and too much emphasis on guns. And the only thing I could think of saying to him was, that's literally <laughs> our First and Second Amendment. That's why that's we started right. America. That's not a bad deal, yeah. You know, that's interesting that the, he said that, because in Colombia and what we found, for example, in countries when we did CPAC Mexico, uh, Pat, in, you know, in November of last year, is that religion is an incredibly important part of the Mexican culture and even of the Colombian culture. And I would say religion is an important part of our culture, too, sure. that it's lost so much. What you're seeing is that more and more Americans are have left religion, and even, especially the young people. And I think when you don't have that basis, when you don't have that foundation of God in your life, when you're not reading Scripture every day, you're missing out. You're missing mm-hmm. out on something that is so, so important in your life to have that hope and that fulfillment, because God only knows we all go through struggles. We all, you know, there's been suffering in our lives. And quite frankly, if I wouldn't have my faith and be able to talk about my faith, I, I would be in big trouble. And I think for a lot of Americans, we're losing that. You and me both, Mercedes Schlapp. Everybody get your tickets to CPAC at CPAC.org. We'll see you there this week. Mercedes, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead, continuing our discussion on informed patriotism, the COVID lab leak, and everything else that's going on in America at night. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez here with you. Uh, you got the phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ, and uh, looking forward to speaking with you, taking your calls on the importance of activism in America today. If you want to chime in on that or any of the other topics we're talking about, uh, we'll be grabbing a couple of calls in a few minutes, so uh, you're welcome to join the conversation. But I want to talk about Joe Biden, right? Because President Biden, uh, he made some remarks over over the weekend. He was on one of the Sunday shows yesterday, ABC News, and he's saying that you know, look, pe- people feel uncertain. People feel uh, that he's doing a bad job because of the negative news coverage. Uh, you know, it's funny when when Trump said that, that the media was lying about him uh, and he called them fake news. Uh, it was a really big deal. But when Biden says it, it <laughs> I guess it's somehow OK. Right. Because Biden, in effect, is saying, look, it's you guys. It's the fake news. If you were telling the truth, uh, shoot, I'm doing terrific. And. That's Joe Biden's take on it. This is uh, Joe Biden on with uh, David Muir. Listen to this. I want to ask about the economy. You talk often about how the inflation, the rate of inflation has begun to slow. Unemployment now at its lowest level in 50 years. But you've also seen the polls. Our latest ABC News poll shows four in 10 Americans say they're worse off than when you were elected. Only 16% said they were better off. So why is that? Why aren't Americans feeling this? Well, look, I think it goes well beyond the economy. Think about it. You make the news. I mean, you interview for the news. Can you think of anything I turn on the television and go, God, that makes me feel good? Almost anything. Everything is in the negative. We're also finding out now that uh, one of the outlets has decided that they don't put things on they know to be false in order to uh, increase their ratings. Hold on so right I- there. Hold on a second. <laughs> So let's I'm reading the transcript, right? Think about it. You make the news. I mean, you interview for the news. Can you think of anything when you turn on the television that makes you think, God, that makes me makes me feel good. Everything is in the negative. We're also finding out now that one of the outlets is that they would put things on that they know would be false in order to increase their ratings. Joe Biden is saying it's fake news. The question was, you ruined the economy, right? Well, let's see. The question was to be to be exact here. Let me ask you about the economy. You often talk about the rate of inflation has begun to slow. Unemployment's now at its lowest in 50 years. But you, you're also uh, seeing the polls. Latest a- a- ABC poll shows that 40% of Americans say they're worse off than when you were elected. Only 16% say they were better off. Why is that? That's the question. And Biden comes in with the answer. Hey, listen, pal, Jack, you come on, man. You are the one that is interviewing for the news. You are the one that is creating negative news. And it is you that, uh, you know, you and your organizations, right? One organization uh, puts out fake news to increase their ratings. 
Okay. Now, listen, uh, Trump said it. Now, Biden said it. Maybe uh, you might want to say that, you know, Biden gets a pass. I agree. I think he got a pass. I think, you know, if this were Leslie Stahl, she'd say, oh, come on now, Mr. President. That isn't true. You know, if his name was Donald Trump. But since his name's Joe Biden, they let him squint and smile and, you know, try to worm his way out of this one. But the reality is Joe Biden is literally blaming the media for inflation. And that is not true. Now, you couldn't blame Trump for inflation because when Trump was in office, inflation was, uh, I don't know, one and a half percent. So it just doesn't jibe, right? The math isn't adding up. Play the tape. I think things are a little out of whack, and I don't blame people for being down. You know, when you had a year or two years of, uh, of the pandemic, kids out of school, uh, the mental health problems in the country are seriously increased, especially among young people. Some things are, for example, even if you're feeling down about employment, they've got better jobs. They're making more money. Inflation is still higher than it should be, and, uh, you know, Everything from gasoline prices to a, to a, a war going on in Ukraine. I mean, so I can't think of a time when there's been greater uncertainty, notwithstanding the fact we've created an 800,000 manufacturing job. We're better off than virtually any other major nation in the world economically. But it's understandable why people are just down. It's understandable why people are down because you're president, sir. We're doing better than any other country in the world. Duh, we, we're the United States. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just, I can't believe that there's no pushback, that there's no follow-up when, when somebody says something like this. Like, you know, today when, when I was at that coffee shop and I was getting my cafecito and I was happy to, uh, you know, take a sip with a little foamy, uh, frothy milk at the top there. And I, I took my first sip and the guy says, you know, the problem with this, and I thought, my goodness. Unbelievable. The problem with this country is then he went on, he got deep. And I said, really, tell me more about that. You know, we're talking more about it. And he went into uh, explaining how, you know, we, we shouldn't, not everybody should. He's like, you know, I could be at the loony bin this morning, get this charge and walk right into a gun store and have a gun by noon. And I was like, bro, we're in New Jersey. You cannot do that. You can't buy a gun in one day in New Jersey if you tried. You got to go register for a firearms ID card. If you already have a permit to purchase, you got to go to the store. They usually order it for you. They do the, the background. It's not happening like that. And, and if you were institutionalized, guess what? You're probably not getting it. So the idea that if you were in the loony bin and you could leave and have a gun by noon is a lie, a fabricated lie, just like the lies that Joe Biden is saying the media puts out there. But I just find it so rich that the media is out there lying. Joe Biden's calling out the media for lying because he's saying he's the best thing since sliced bread that, you know, while inflation is really high, it's lower than it was the other day. You know, so, I mean, to make crass analogies, you know, you pick the the, the crass analogy. You know, look, I, I'm not beating up so-and-so every day anymore. I beat him up once a week. So, look, things are better. No, so-and-so still has a black eye every week because you're abusing him, right? How's that? That's uh, my crass analogy of what Biden's talking about. It's it's fake. It's phony. It's fraud. It's BS. And And I think the whole thing is just, you know, incredible how nobody pushes back. Just not, a, not an inch of pushback with respect to being a, a legitimate journalist and just saying, you know, listen, if you want to give a softball interview because you're, you're in his camp, then at least say that, you know, I make no bones of my positions. Everybody knows where I stand. And I still try to ask uh, questions that are tough. That's just how it is. Sometimes you, you've got to ask those questions that you think might, you know, um, Trump was on this program and he said something and he said, you know, it's a tough gig when you interview people, because if, 
the questions are too soft, nobody will listen. And if the questions are too hard, no guests will want to come on. And and he's right. There is a balance there, but you have to do both. You've got to ask people the, the tough questions because otherwise, where are you going to be? People want to know the answers to these things. And I think that's what makes uh, this format uh, and this forum that we have here uh, really special because we get to find out a lot about a lot of things from a lot of people that are in the know and making headlines. Anyway, Joe Biden says that it's fake news in the media and uh, there's never been a more uncertain time. And he blames it on the war in Ukraine. Imagine that a day where any of us wakes up in the morning and thinks, hmm, man, that war in Ukraine is really messing me up. Man, that war in Ukraine. Maybe some, uh, I don't want to say some idiots, that would be rude. Uh, Maybe some folks that are out there might buy into that. Maybe they're more gullible than most. I'm not buying it. Or if you want to say that it's my um, naivete and my ignorance and that that's really why I'm paying more for gasoline um, because of Ukraine, okay, good luck. Uh, That's not the case. It's not the case, and I just I find this a, a, a very, very funny story. And, you know, Joe has a way. He does have a way about himself where he just squints, he smiles, and, and he offers platitudes, and he'll hide himself in the basement, not make appearances, keep things brief, and uh, just keep saying bad things about somebody else and try to rise above. And he did it during the presidential election. It worked like a charm. Right. People bought it. People still buying it. There's people like, ah, give them a chance. There's still people saying, give them a chance. Going into year number three, inflation's through the roof. Nobody's um, making money like they used to. But yet here we are. Give them a chance. Give them a chance, Joe. Give them a chance. Well, you know what? Joe Biden says that it's uh, Joe's decision if he wants to run again. So we're going to get into that straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. But has the decision been made amongst the family that he's going to run? Well, it's Joe's really, it's Joe's decision. And we support whatever he wants to do. If he's in, we're there. If he wants to do something else, we're there too. Is there any chance at this point that he's not going to run? Uh, not in my book. <laughs> You're all for it. I'm all for it, of course. Dr. Jill Biden, doctor of education, EDD. She says she's all in. And of course, I mean, what wife, if, if, I, if, I, if I was married, I'm not, but if I was still married and my wife were to say, or a future wife or whatever, it's, it's fairy tale here anyway. <laughs> so if anybody's wife and they were president were to say, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'd vote for a guy. Or I don't know if I support that. You know, I don't know if we want to go. <laughs> Man, what a bad look. That's a campaign ad that would never end. Be like, this guy's wife doesn't even want to run for president. Do you? She's not even sure if she's going to support him. How could anybody else? So, yeah, I mean, obviously she's got to be uh, all in. And um, thank God she didn't screw that one up. My goodness, that would have been bad. But she says that Joe, if Joe runs, she's all in. Excuse me. And um, of course she should be. The question is, how about the rest of us? You know, so I pose that question to you, America, if you want to chime in very quickly uh, with a phone call on that, I'm happy to take it. I'd love to see what the um, 
the consensus is across the country with just like a yes or no. Yes, Biden, no, Biden. Uh, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number, 833-482-5337. If you want to call in and let me know, I'm happy to to kind of do a quick poll on this. But, yeah, I don't know that uh, I, I, I know that I don't want Biden, and I don't know that a lot of Americans are interested, you know, which is why I'm always concerned when there's um, this heated rhetoric around war with China and China potentially arming uh, Russia because China's aggressive in a lot of places, right? China's getting aggressive in Taiwan. China's getting aggressive in, in, in um, the United States with their balloons. So it is a, a big deal, in my opinion, that, that we are very careful with China. And again, you have to remember, this was my critique early on, whether we should, whether we should actually be stronger on China. And I'm talking about back when Biden was running for president and they were asking him questions uh, like saying, hey, listen, uh, what do you think about the human rights abuses in China? And he would say things like, well, you know, these are cultural differences. This is what they do. And, you know, no, sir, (laughs) that isn't what they, yeah, it may be what they do, but it's still wrong and we've got to call it out. You can't sit there and be like, well, you know, in my house, we don't do that. But hey, if you guys want to, you know, you know, beat the crap out of your kids, well, that's on you. No, that's not okay. You can't do stuff like that. You know, you can't uh, abuse the Muslim Uyghur population. Uh, It's just not something that can be done. So, you know, I think that that soft approach that he's taken to China, calling them a competitor, being friendly with whatever reasons people, you know, he's a puppet. He sold out to China, whatever the reasoning is, I'm not going to speculate because I can't prove anything. Right. I can only talk about Hunter and his laptop. Oh, but so much. But I do know Biden's been soft up until the other day where, you know, he, he let that uh, that huge weather balloon get away after it was, you know, it, it, it literally was on vacation for a week in the United States in our airspace and then eventually said, all right, I'm out of here. But then he starts shooting down all sorts of uh, all sorts of balloons that hobby weather balloons, you name it, you know, shopping bags that were flying too high in the sky, pew, 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 psh, you know, missiles, F-15s, F-35s. It's insane. And yet uh, we're still not taking a tough approach on on China and their rhetoric is getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Anyway, so should Joe Biden run again? Jill says, yes. What do you say? 833-482-5337, 833-4-Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. We'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're going to go to your calls because I'm doing a poll here, getting the pulse of the nation on should Joe Biden run again? Joe Biden says, yes, she's all in. Absolutely. But I want to know what you guys say. The number is 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's see. Where where are we going? I got Ohio, New Jersey, North Carolina, Delaware. That's Biden country. Let's go to Delaware, to Biden country. Let's go to Bill in Rehoboth, Delaware. Bill, are you one of Joe Biden's friends? Am I one of his friends? No, I just live by him, sir. 
All right, you're one of his neighbors. Okay, I'll take it. So what's your take? Should Joe run again? No. He Why not? He ran the first time. He shouldn't have <laughs> ran all three times he ran. He shouldn't even be a senator. Yeah. Tell us how you really feel. Man. Well, you know what, Bill? I, I agree with you. I, I think uh, things have not been great. I can tell you this, and I say it all the time. Joe Biden is a skilled politician. My dad was a tough guy. Right. No stranger to not using his words and using his hands and uh, into his 80s. Right. You know, 80 years old, my dad would get mad at me and just square up to me. And he still hit hard as hell. He didn't even know who I was. Right? His, he was you know, he had a dementia related to a brain injury from cracking his skull open. And it, it was it was tough. You know, he remembered a lot of things from the 70s, but nothing from the late 70s, which is where I came into the picture. And you know, he eventually remembered me and it would come and go. But it, it was it was amazing to see this man become weak and become old, but yet still have that muscle memory and a very lightning speed jab. And I look at Joe Biden the same way. This guy's been a, a professional politician his entire life, lying his way out of everything, squinting and smiling his way out of you name it, throwing on the aviator shades and just, you know, come on, man, come on, Jack, what do you want, cocaine? You know, just saying these crazy things and getting away with it. And he uses that because that's like his superpower of just, you know, the whispering and the hair sniffing and all that stuff is, it just makes one crazy old Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe's like America's crazy uncle from whatever holiday you pick it, that's him. And uh, lamentably, he, he's good at this, the, the political aspect of things. He's bad at the governing side of it. He's terrible at it. Anyway, Bill, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Big shout out to WXDE in Delaware. Let's go to Claude very quickly, Akron, Ohio, middle of the country. Claude, what do you say? Hey, Rich. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Biden hasn't got the common sense that God gave an animal cracker. Positively, <laughs> no. All right, Claude, thank you. I appreciate that. Let us continue going on to the eastern seaboard. Let's go to Galloway, New Jersey. Uh, that's Atlantic City area, W-O-N-D. Uh, Lance, what's up, man? You're on with Rich. Hey, good evening, Rich. I just want to, how can he be all in when he's not all there? And <laughs> if, if I was going to ask him a question... I have him sit across from me. I'd love for him to explain to me the evolving acronym LGBTIQA+. Nah, if, he if he could remember that, how to say that, I would be very impressed. Lance, thank you. I hope you can uh, give us a call back in the in the midnight hour uh, because you always have great insight, and we're up against the clock, and i got a couple more to go. But thank you so much, brother. Good to hear your voice, and uh, you can't be all in if you're not all there. Let's go to Matt in Moorhead City or near Moorhead City, North Carolina, WTKF. Matt, go right ahead. Yes, sir, Rich. Uh, Tom told me to make it quick. I'm about 80 miles north of Moorhead City, and um, – I'm with Bill in Rehoboth, Delaware. Yeah. Biden has no business even beginning, even winning the last election. I mean, look at the economy and everything else. And I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I think you're right on that. And I appreciate it, Matt, listening on WTKF uh, near Moorhead City, North Carolina. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's tough. It's tough. Uh, I can't find somebody saying we need Joe Biden. Let's go to Bruce Quincy, Illinois, Midwest, WTAD. Quin uh, Bruce, go right ahead. Yeah, Rich, all I got to say is no way, no way. Thank you very much. 
<laughs> Say no to Joe. Man, uh, man, a few words, Bruce. You remind me of my dad in many ways. <laughs> That's how he was. No. Okay, thank you, sir. <laughs> Why not? No. <laughs> I said no. He said, cool it. That was it. Those were the warnings you got. Anyway, so not a single person that's listening and had the desire to call in uh, wanted to support Joe Biden and his policies. My goodness, what is going on? Anyway, it's Black History Month. And as we wrap up Black History Month, we're going to connect with Bob Woodson. He's calling in right now, and we're going to have him in the next segment. Don't go anywhere. He's going to reveal the truth about the 1619 Project. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, and that's Valdez with an S, by the way. Our telephone number, if you want to join the conversation tonight, 833, the number 4, Valdez, 833-4-VALDEZ is the number, 833-482-5337. And we've been talking about a number of things tonight, not the least of which is how another one of Hunter Biden's associates is threatening to drop more names in what he's calling Biden Inc., which is where they allege that Hunter Biden is the bag man for his dad and his brother uh, or his uncle, James Biden, and how they, you know, put money through one door and take it out the back door and everybody's getting rich off of these government deals and whatnot. So um, we'll get to that a little bit more in the um, next hour. I want to talk about that. I also want to talk more about the Wuhan lab leak that now former CDC director is saying, yep, yep, looks like it was a lab leak after all. So that, that's also happening. And of course, uh, it's February. It's the, uh, the tail end of Black History Month. And there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, op-ed titled, Remember to Tell All of Black History, How Hulu, and again, Hulu is owned by Disney, Hulu's 1619 Project series focuses on victimhood and ignores the achievement of African Americans. And this is by William Chambra and Bob Woodson. And you guys know Dr. Bob Woodson. He's uh, the head of the Woodson Center, woodsoncenter.org. He also uh, has the website 1776unites.org. And you can find him on Twitter at Bob Woodson. Bob Woodson, welcome back, sir. Pleased to be back. Pleased to be back. Yes, sir. Good to have you. Uh, I think nobody breaks it down as as good as you do. And the only person that came close, I think, is the late, great Walter Williams, who was really great at explaining a lot of things. And uh, and uh, we miss him and we appreciate your voice. So tell us a little bit about this uh, Wall Street Journal opinion piece that you've uh, co-authored here. Remember to tell all of black history. Well, thanks. Well, 1619, as you know, gives a false history of black America. It only talks about the downside, about slavery, how 
that because of, of Africans arriving here in 1619, that America should be ever defined by its birth defect of slavery. And this goes on to say that America, uh, that racism is in its DNA and all white people are villains uh, and, and all blacks are victims. This is a, a horrible thing. What we did was not offer a counter debate, but we told the true, complete history of black America. To build an even better future, we must reckon with the past, but we must also talk about the success. We talk, for instance, uh, that when following slavery, when, uh, one of our scholars did a survey of the six major plantations to find out what was the state of, of marriage, 75% of slave households had a man and a woman raising children. That tradition of the nuclear family lasted for 100 years mm. until even in 1930s, in 19, in 19, during the Depression, when racism was enshrined in law, the black family had the highest marriage rate of any group in society. Elderly people could walk safely in that community without fear of being assaulted by the grandchildren. So all of those, and when we were denied access to hotels, we built our own. Uh, when we would access to medical schools, we had our own railroad in Baltimore. So there's a rich history of blacks achieving against the odds under the worst of circumstances. But this isn't a history that meets the race grievance uh, industry's narrative. But we think it the public needs to know. Well, I think your 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 it's your observations are brilliant and spot on. But yeah, the public needs to know because. There was so much to do. I mean, it's one thing to write a book, right? It's, you know, m many scholars, they know the, the, the old adage, publish or perish. But when uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones authored this book, The 1619 Project, and in my opinion, included what are false narratives and really kind of made people kind of subscribe to the notion that if, if you're of color, that you are somehow victimized— uh, this seemed to catch on like wildfire. I mean, this was more contagious than COVID. Everybody was talking about it, how great it was. This is the best thing ever. It became a part of every public school curriculum, or at least many public school curriculums. And here it is now, its own series on Hulu. Disney owned Hulu. And trying to, you know, I guess, re um, retell the story or, you know, using revisionist history to make this new case. And I think... Words like yours and what you wrote in in the um, in this op-ed and and what you do overall at the Woodson Center are critically important because you're like you said the public needs to know about this. They really do. I mean, I, there are people on the left like Nicole Hannah Jones, who's really is a, a, a misappropriating Black history and using it as a bludgeon against this nation's fundamental values. Um. For instance, we tell that, that whites and, and Native Americans have always been a part uh, of, 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 of the Underground Railroad. We tell in this article about a story no one seems to know about, that 50,000 slaves made it through Ohio to Canada through the Underground Railroad that was established by three black barbers in cooperation with two Native tribes and a host of white farmers that provided, uh, they used to cut the hair of these uh, men, and as a consequence, they were able to gather intelligence, and they operated this. This is a tremendous story uh, that uh, of a cooperation that saved 50,000 
uh, runaway slaves. Uh, so at, even in 1850, when the Fugitive Slave Act, which actually compensated people for turning in slaves, not one was ever turned over. And this, and so you have cooperation in the abolitionist movement, blacks, white, Native American. This is the story that we must tell as well. Yep, I agree with you 100%. And I just want to remind folks uh, who we're on with. We're on with Dr. Bob Woodson. He's the head of the WoodsonCenter.org. And you can find him on Twitter, at Bob Woodson. In my opinion, not only is he a gentleman, he's a scholar, but he's incredibly knowledgeable on so much of American history. And I'm thrilled to have him as a guest tonight. And we're going to come back to him as we continue this discussion on how all of black history isn't being told uh, through Disney's The the 17, no, no, excuse me, the 1619 Project by uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones. And uh, I'm glad somebody's out there correcting the record. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America, this is night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez. And uh, I want you to hear this clip of audio from Nicole Hannah Barnes. It's from last Friday. She was on NBC News with a reporter named Zinli Esamua. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but I couldn't figure out how to do it phonetically because I'm not familiar with this name. But listen to Nicole Hannah Barnes uh, explaining. Um, about our children and why they need to be exposed to all sorts of different ideas. The documentary series premiered just as Florida's controversial ban of advanced placement African-American history classes began. Do you have a message to these mostly Republican governors who are banning 1619 and other race-related education? Yes, I mean, my message to these governors is, uh, one, have you actually read the 1619 Project? Our children deserve to be exposed to all types of different ideas. This is the role of a public education. The film series also expands on the Pulitzer Prize-winning 1619 Project, including episodes on democracy, music, capitalism, and more. Hannah Jones infusing her own family story throughout. You can't understand democracy without realizing that our founders didn't actually believe in multiracial democracy, but black people did. All right, and forgive me, I called her something else. I misgendered her. I'm just kidding. Uh, Nicole Hannah Jones, not Nicole Hannah, whatever I said before. Our guest is Dr. Bob Woodson, and I'd like to get your reaction to what you just heard uh, Nicole Hannah Jones say, Doc. Go right ahead. Well, first of all, she refuses to debate. None of her scholars will debate any of us, uh, nor will they ever appear. And, and, and what they're saying is just not true. We, in our, in our uh, article, we talked, for instance, about the township of Covert, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Covert, Michigan was a multiracial town that never practiced segregation. Blacks, Native Americans, and whites lived together. They went to school together. They prayed together. They were elected to office even when they could not legally hold office. So, and, and interracial couples came from all over the country to settle there because they knew it would be a peaceful place to reside. So there are other islands of excellence in this country where that refutes what she says. Um, and, and, and so there are just countless examples 
of blacks achieving against the odds um, in America, and and she's just denying it. Um, and nor she's talking about competition. But someone should ask her, what is her solution? She never. I heard her for an hour. She never talks about reconciliation. America is a country of redemption, of second chances. How many of your listeners would want mm-hmm. to be the judge by the worst that they've ever done as a young person? Right. Nobody does. We all, in order for us to flourish, and, and also by claiming that blacks are all victims, it exempts them from any personal responsibility. So nothing is more lethal than to exempt someone from being personally responsible and, 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 say, and communicating to them that their destiny is determined by what whites do. Making white people less racist will not make black people safer. Yeah, that's such a good point. And, and, and I think your point uh, deserves to be underscored. What you just mentioned about who, who amongst us wants to be judged by, by their worst part in their life, their worst point in life, just like our country's history. And, and I think you're right. You know, while we put all this emphasis on, you know, um, what's, in my opinion, a horrible stain in our history of, of slavery, um, we're looking at the other side of, of the scale that is, you know, outweighing it where we have this robust economy, where we have so much, uh, you know, jazz music, right? I mean, there's so many contributions that have been made by African-Americans that flourish today. I mean, I I don't think that you could listen to any um, of the of the active uh, scholars across the country without seeing an African-American scholar somewhere. You can't turn on the radio and, and not see music that was somehow influenced one way or another. Uh, by an African-American artist. So, you know, I, I look at those things and I think this is, it fascinates me that, you know, there are people like uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones and others that are really just subscribing to um, this 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 narrative that, in my opinion, just isn't real. Well, she's almost, an, she's embracing white supremacy if she determines that blacks cannot achieve until whites, uh, 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 you know, uh, give them permission to, but also people are motivated, mm. Rich, to achieve when they have victories that are possible, not constantly reminding them of of failures to avoid. Suppose a coach said to a right. team, they're bigger than us, they beat us before, they got better training and better uniforms, go out there not, and try not to get killed. What, <laughs> right. what coach would be successful like that? But that's her well. message. Yeah, and it's and it's a it's a it's a difficult one, but she says, you know, we have to expose children to everything. And listen, I, I am okay. Not, I don't think we should teach little children, but if you want to teach that's this stuff in high school or college, do both sides, right? Right, but they will never ever allow 1776 to be presented. We've had 65,000 downloads rich from our curriculum. That's how hungry America is for the truth. Wow. 65,000 downloads in less than 1 year. Our book, 1776 Unites, sold out, uh, red, white, and black, sold out within weeks. So we, and we, and, and this curriculum has been downloaded in every 50 states. Dr. Bob Woodson, tell everybody about 1776 Unites. 1776 Unites is a movement of, of Americans led primarily by blacks because Nicole Hannah Jones. They're messengers of black, and we felt 
that the messengers to counter that should be black. But it's an inspiring story of, uh, uh, that, that talks about, acknowledges slavery and that it has been under, under told. But we talked about victories that are possible, about black Wall Streets, about the railroads that blacks have built. As Walter Williams pointed out, we had five high schools at the turn of the century that had used textbooks, overcrowded buildings, and half the budgets of white schools. But every one of those black schools out-tested all of the white schools in the, those cities. So if we were able to achieve these successes in the face of, of legal resistance, the question is, why are low-income blacks failing today over the last 50 years in cities run by black Democratic office holders? You know, the same holds true for school systems. People tell me, exactly. you, you can't say that, that, that it's not a racist school system. You got all these, these large black neighborhoods and, and, and the schools are horrible. And I point to look at the superintendent. You can tell me that guy's a racist. They're, they're all black. Right. And same thing in Hispanic areas, Perth Amboy. Well, not Perth Amboy anymore, but back in the days, uh, Patterson, New Jersey, that they, they, they were, you know, these were Hispanic areas and they had Hispanic superintendents at the time. And it, it, it you could not make the case that it was racist because it, it was somebody from the neighborhood that was running these school districts. It, it was it was a political problem, not a racial problem. And and it just it amazes me that people will, will they'll almost buy anything you're selling lately. It really is, but I think a colleague of mine, Delano Spears, said that this narrative is being driven by um, elite whites guilty who are who are guilty, who are seeking absolutions from crimes they never committed, and elite blacks who are seeking absolution from injustice they never suffered. Hmm. The uh, rank really and file well people in the streets. They are not confused about their pronouns, and, right. and they are clear about the, the, the importance of the nuclear family and their Christian faith. These are the enduring values that enabled blacks to survive slavery and discrimination, and they will continue to endure into the future. Remarkably well put, sir. Uh, let me remind everybody, we're on with Dr. Bob Woodson. Woodsoncenter.org is the website. You can get him on Twitter, at Bob Woodson. Uh, Dr. Woodson, with uh, about a minute remaining, what's your final thought? That I'm really hopeful about America, that I think th that we're in for a revival. I mm, really amen. do. When I travel throughout the low-income neighborhoods, um, I see signs of, of, of a desire to, to 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 flourish, and I think that uh, all we need to do is fan the flames of this moral brush fire, and I and watch it just consume this country, and we'll be filled with hope again. Well, I'm grateful for warriors like you that are out there fighting the good fight like like it's nobody's business because um, we need people like you and we need the ge next generation of leaders like you uh, in order to continue fighting this fight for as long as it needs to be fought because uh, it's our culture we're fighting for. Dr. Bob Woodson, a pleasure always to have you on the program. And thank you so much for the opportunity. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. Guess what? Winnie the Pooh is back. But this time, the movie's going to have Winnie the Pooh as a slasher. It's a slasher film. How does Winnie the Pooh become a slasher? I don't know. Horror film Pooh. We're going to find out more about it straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
So Winnie the Pooh, now a slasher film. This is crazy to me. When I saw this, I said, what is going on here? Well, we're going to get to the bottom of this with the patent professor, John Rizvi. Uh, he's a registered patent attorney, and he's here to explain how this whole thing came about. Go right ahead, sir. Yes, how are you? Pleasure to be here. Okay, uh, thank you. You know, a lot of people don't realize copyrights expire, and, and, and that's exactly what's, what's happening with Winnie the Pooh. The copyrights expired last year, and, uh, and it's in the public domain now as of January 1st of 2022. So what happens here is when the copyright expires, things become public domain, and now you could take this idea and pretty much do whatever you want with it? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, and it, it's hard when it, it's, you know, something like a beloved character that we've all grown up with, um, uh, such as Winnie the Pooh. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, to have a horror version is, is really tough. And a lot of people are up in an uproar. They're like, how in the world can this happen? Why did, why did Disney allow this to happen? Right? Like, is it, don't yeah. they have enough? Yeah. Don't they have a huge investment in wanting to keep Winnie the Pooh as the Winnie the Pooh we all know and love? Like, don't they have a vested interest in that? And they do. Uh, the problem is that the copyrights are expired and, and, and Disney no longer has uh, any exclusive rights to that original version of Winnie the Pooh. Now, they have the Disney-fied version, which is with the red T-shirt and uh, the, the particular elements that they've added to Winnie the Pooh. That's still under copyright protection. So this director is really careful not to take those elements that, are, uh, that, that were created by Disney. For example, the, the spelling of honey as H-U-N-N-Y mm. and... Uh, Winnie the Pooh saying, oh, bother. Like, those are elements that were not in the original book by A.A. A. Milne. That, those are elements added by Disney. So the director of this film is careful not to take those. But they're not really necessary in order for, you know, people watching the film. There's no doubt that it's Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and all the characters that, that, that everyone loves. Except now, they're not lovable characters. They're, they're going on a, a horror uh, rampage, a carnivorous rampage in the movie. So that's a little yeah. tough to take. Uh, you're 100% right. And we're on with uh, John Rizvi, the patentprofessor.com is his website. And you can find him on all social media platforms at the patent professor, at the patent professor. And one of the things that I think is interesting here is the, the new take, right? So it's Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. And it talks about how Christopher Robin. And abandons Pooh and Piglet and uh, on the Hundred Acre Woods, and all of them um, become feral. And when Christopher Robin returns to the region, he's horrified to see what's become of his his childhood friends. I think it's a it's it's a dark take, and it's not the first time we've seen this type of thing happen. But it's an interesting one because Pooh. You know, is really probably one of the softest characters out there. You know, little fat bear, and he was designed, I think, to be cute and you know, and 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 friendly. And you know, that's the whole the whole shtick of Winnie the Pooh is it's him and his friends. And um, it, it's interesting to me how you know they've taken that and kind of gone gone into a different uh, direction with it. Uh, from what you know, in, from your position, um, John Rivsey, what is the the what are some other examples of patents that have run out 
uh, where this has happened? Well, uh, I, what I can say is there's going to be a lot more instances of this happening. And, and so this is just the tip of the iceberg. Disney's got Bambi in the public domain, uh, Peter Pan, uh, non-Disney characters, Bugs Bunny, Batman, Superman. This is for the first time we're going to have uh, a lot of, of well-known characters going into the public domain. And, uh, and, and, and I, I don't think we're, we're used to seeing uh, especially as you mentioned, like Winnie the Pooh is, is, is a lovable bear, but these are all lovable characters. And, you know, I don't want to, as far as a spoiler alert on the movie, but just to to take other, so imagine if Sesame Street, if the same thing, when that goes uh, in mm. the public domain, like, uh, and this is all make-believe, this isn't, this, this isn't anything that's happened, but what if Big Bird and Oscar conspire to kill Snuffleupagus? And like, this, these are hurtful things. Uh, for for people to see, and there's there's an outcry. Saying, Wait a minute, you can't. It's almost as if people feel they have a vested uh, interest and and some kind of rights to protect their cherished memories of these characters. And when when someone takes a, a, a you know turns them into a horror film, uh, they they want they want somehow the the law to step in and protect that and prevent that, and they. The law can't. I mean, it's the the copyright term. When the copyright uh, first became, the first duration was uh, was it was 28 years, and it's been expanding mm. over time. To now, it's 75 years after the author's death, or 95 years total. Uh, that's a lot longer than than copyright duration ever was. And and now you're finding a lot of these, a lot of IPs going into the public domain for the first time. You know, um, again, we're on the, with the patent professor, uh, John Rizvi. You know, John, I, I look at this and I'm looking at the the article that I was reading where it says that they're, the same production company, Jagged Ed Productions, is considering doing this with um, Peter Pan as well <laughs> and, uh, and a couple of others, uh, old titles. And I just think, you know, I mean, maybe it's a little easier to turn Peter Pan into a dark horror type of thing. Uh, but it's just, you know, I mean, with it in the public domain, I guess you could do a lot of things with it. It doesn't have to become a slasher flick, but I guess that's what they specialize in, right? It, it Exactly. It doesn't have to become a, a slasher uh, flick, but it could also go, um, gosh, I mean, any of these uh, characters in the public domain could could also go obscene, rated R, like they could, there's, that, there's mm-hmm. no limitation. Once something's in the public domain, there's really no limitation on where, uh, someone's creativity can take these characters, and that's uh, that's problematic as well for a lot of people. They're looking at this, and they're like, they don't want to see, uh, uh, you know, an X-rated Elmo or an X-rated uh, uh, any of these characters, even even Winnie the Pooh. Like this, I mean, in this instance, it, it, they've gone slasher and uh, and horror, but they could go uh, in a different direction. And once something's in the public domain, it's not only in the public domain. Uh, limited to certain uh, variations, uh, anything's fair game at that point. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I appreciate the update. Uh, th- I think a lot of people did not know that this was happening. And, you know, if their kids say, hey, I want to see the new Winnie the Pooh movie, 
Parents, beware. It may be a little bit more than you bargained for. Uh, again, we're on with John Rizvi, the patent professor. Check out his website, thepatentprofessor.com, and you can check him out at The Patent Professor on all social media uh, platforms. Uh, John Rizvi, I want to thank you for being on with us tonight. Thank you. Always a pleasure. You bet. Now, more to come straight ahead. I want to get your calls on this, uh, your thoughts. Should Pooh or any other of our beloved cartoon characters from the past, should they become horror films? Should they become slasher flicks? Uh, what is going on with this when this happens to these uh, once kind, cute, cherished uh, uh, stories and ideas? Um, sh- should they become perverted by um, by the fact that they no longer have legal protection under a patent. Anyway, your thoughts on that and more, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. And I want to uh, continue this conversation a little bit here because it's interesting. There's a quote in this article I was looking at, and it says, I've, um, it's about the director, right? So the, the head of, uh, this production company, Jagged Edge, uh, there's a, a gentleman, let me see how this works. So I don't misgender anyone. Um, yeah. So Frank Waterfield, that's the last name of the, uh, uh director. He was the, um, <clears throat> he wants to do this with a number of, he wants to turn a number of ch- once famous children's programs into horror films. And he said that, you know, he'd like to do it with Teletubbies and some other things while discussing how one can can and cannot use works in the public domain. This is the interviewer saying this. I posed an additional question to Frake Waterfield just for fun. If copyright laws weren't an issue, what existing IP uh, intellectual property would he most likely bring to screen in the horror style? And here's what he said. This is a quote from Mr. Frake Bucky. Um, excuse me. I'm saying that wrong. Mr. Freak Waterfield. And he says, I've really been excited by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pretty much lately because I think it's the story and it has a kind of horrifying undertone anyway because it's these half-human, half-turtles who live in the sewer and have a rat king who they follow. And then they come out of the sewer with weapons. Then he laughs. He said, it all starts to link together for me. So I'd love to do that in horror film. Uh, fashion. He says he'd also uh, like to have them uh, like down in an alleyway, cutting people up, feeding them to their rat king on top of pizza or something like that. I hope I can get the copyrights to that, but I don't know that if I can. So, I mean, the guy's talent is is a dark one, but that's where he is. But that's not the only uh, program that's, you know, gone off the beaten path. You know, uh, over here, remember Scooby-Doo? Yeah, well, Scooby-Doo uh, has a remake also. There's a spinoff called Velma on HBO, and 
There's uh, some some controversy on that one as well. Let's go to WHIZ in Zanesville, Ohio. Check in with our buddy Paul. Hey, Paul, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, good evening, Rich. Yeah, yes, you sir. know, what kind of freak show are we in here? Um, <laughs> you know, my daughter, you know, she grew up on Winnie the Pooh and uh, the Cabbage Patch Kids, which cost me a fortune, dolls, Cabbage mm-hmm. Patch dolls. Yeah, oh, yeah, like I remember I grew, those. I, yeah, they were expensive, too, probably more expensive now. But um, I grew up in the 70s. You know, I was born in 64. But I grew up in the 70s watching Scooby-Doo and things like that. And then I I seen this cartoon come out where Velma is a lesbian, you know, and what are they teaching wow. our kids? I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's okay. I mean, uh, we've lost the innocence here. You know, is what is is the way I feel about this um, fiasco with these. You know, these these guys that are creating this. Um, um, I don't know even how to. Uh, you know, to oh crap, Rich. What's the word? Um, they're just. You know, they're exploiting our children, and I and I, I'm a little sick of it. And my daughter's 40 years old, Rich. You know, wow. and I, yeah, and you know that the, they've uh, taken. They're trying to take the innocence from our children, in my opinion. You know, yeah. I just don't. I, I don't get it, Rich. You know. Listen, I, Paul, I agree with you. Uh, I, I'm listening to you speak, and I'm thinking I feel the exact same way. You know, it seems like the envelope is pushed. And listen, I'm the first one defending freedom of speech. That's you know what I do for a living. You know, I I, I support anybody's right to to do their thing. And if this is what this guy wants to do, then hey, so be it. We we live in a free market society. We're either going to buy the slasher Winnie the Pooh uh, DVDs and stream it, or we're not going to stream it. Uh, you know, after today, you know, listening to Bob Woodson and just so many things, I was thinking, do I have any Disney left that I haven't gotten rid of? And I think I still have a subscription to Hulu, which I'll probably dump just for the sake of making a point. Because I think, you know, you have to send a message when you don't like what's happening. It doesn't mean that you boycott it permanently and you say, I'm not, no, you just, you send a message and hopefully things change. You know, I I first got Hulu because of the kids programming that it had and my kids enjoyed it. And and it seems like it's changed a lot And, and society's changing a lot. And I agree with you. We should definitely continue to protect kids um, no matter what. And we, it's difficult to do that if we're pushing the envelope, whether it's horror or, or sex and gender and all of that stuff. Um, it's just, to me, an unnecessary conversation that we shouldn't have to push onto kids. They're going to find out eventually. They're going to see it eventually. They could learn it in school. It, it doesn't have to happen, you know, in kindergarten, first grade, second grade or third grade. And I think, you know, introducing it into children's television programming is is just as egregious as introducing it in those lower grades. Just my thoughts. But you're right. It's like a battle for the innocence of the American child. And if you don't stand up for it, who's going to stand up for it, right? Obviously, uh, this is a fight that we're all in and or at least a, a concern that we should all have at the very least. Paul in Zanesville, I want to thank you, brother, for your call. Uh, more on your calls. Um, as soon as we come back, let me give you that number, 833-482-5337. And then at the top of the hour, it's open phone America. That's right. You get to call in and let your voice be heard on our live 
national town hall straight from New York City to Alaska and everywhere in between that number, 866-505-4626. That's our legacy number. Uh, or the, the new number, 833-4, the number four, and my last name, V-A-L-D-E-S, Valdez. And that's Valdez with an S on all the social media if you want to chime in that way. I'll be looking at a couple of... Uh, text. You're never going to believe who just started following me on Twitter. Uh, I'll make that announcement uh, probably at the bottom of the hour as well, or maybe in the next segment. We'll see. Uh, There's a few new followers I'm going to get to, and uh, I'll shout out some of the comments as well. All right. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And um, yeah, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Uh, we're, we're growing in number, and uh, that's always fun. And also uh, on online, social media, I've been getting some new followers, which is a lot of fun, a lot of new people uh, calling into the program as well. And um, one is a super-duper um, professional wrestler that started following me. And I was like, oh, how cool is that? So uh, maybe I will reveal the name of this new professional wrestler follower in uh, at the top of the hour after this segment. But right now, I want to get to your calls. Give us a call on your thoughts on everything we're talking about here. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ, and uh, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Let's go to Gregory. He's in South Lake, Texas, KLIF in the Dallas area. Go right ahead, sir. Hey, Mr. Valdez. Great show. Really appreciate you. your work. Thank you. I appreciate uh, that. Thanks for calling. Hey, uh, I'm really, I'm. if they want to turn Winnie the Pooh into a horror film, I'm okay with that. Uh, there's been uh, several uh alternative takes on stuff like the brothers Grimm or uh, Hansel and Gretel that were done in recent movies that were actually a lot of fun. So I I'm perfectly fine with that. Obviously it should have the appropriate rating, you know, maybe it should be made for adults who like uh, horror films. Not yeah, for it's kids. a good point. Yeah. And that's what I just said. Look, I, I support free speech. If we like it, we like it and we go and we watch it. If we don't like it, we don't go and we watch it. Uh, I, I think that, you know, sometimes there's a blurred line with, redoing children's content as adult content. And I don't mean adult like triple X, but I mean adult like, you know, TVMA or rated R or something like that, because, you know, there could be confusion where kids are like, Oh, I like that. I like that. You know, but outside of that, uh, let's say, Hey, more power to you. And if it works for you, it works for you. If I don't like it, I won't spend my money on it. So I agree with you. I think you're right, Gregory. And, uh, it, it, it is interesting to see how that goes. And, and, um, I think people like it, especially if it's an older, uh, character that you know older people can appreciate now that they're older. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. I appreciate the call. Open Phone America's coming up. We're going to go to Pennsylvania and everywhere else that's calling in. I am Rich Valdez. It's America at Night. Live. 
from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. You know, sometimes I like to listen to that bumper music because it's really, it's really energizing. Anyway, uh, welcome to the program. It is Monday. Actually, it's Tuesday now in where I am. It's officially Tuesday, but if you're on the West Coast, it's still Monday. It's the third hour of the program, and I welcome you to give us a call. 866-505-4626 is, of course, our legacy line, which will remain available, and our new hotline, the listener line for you to chime in and participate in America's nightly town hall live and national 833-482-5337. And we're talking about a ton of things tonight, right? We talked about the importance of informed patriotism, getting together with like-minded people and and um, doing more activism than you're used to and learning about doing activism and, you know, what it's like to be active in the forefront of whatever movement you're a part of, whether it's the Convention of States movement or the Libertarian movement or the conservative movement. There's a lot of movements out there that are afoot, and uh, many of them are focused on liberty and and keeping America first. And it's important, I think, to be involved in a lot of those. And uh, we also, and we talked about that with Mercedes Schlapp. If you missed any part of uh, that conversation, check out the podcast because uh, Rich Valdez, America at Night, uh, has its own podcast that you could listen to if you've missed any part of it or if the station you're listening to only carries a portion of the program, make sure you check out the full three-hour show. It's available to you. Plus, um, we're going to get to your calls momentarily. And I wanted to also call attention to Bob Woodson, Dr. Bob Woodson from the Woodson Center, who gave us the the real story about black history, uh, more of a, a tell-all from his recent Wall Street Journal uh, op-ed. And that was an excellent conversation. I recommend that as well. And we also talked about Winnie the Pooh, the new film Blood and Honey, how the uh, little tubby, little cubby stuffed with fluff is going to morph into a relentless serial killer. How is it legal? What's next? What are they going to do with the rest of these old cartoon characters? And uh, we had an interesting discussion on that as well. And we'll get to your your calls on that. Plus, earlier uh, I mentioned, um, you know, China becoming more aggressive and we have to see how that's going to uh, pan out with uh, what's going on with uh, the players in Europe and um, the ceasefire that President Xi is calling for. And probably because he's like, look, if you guys are going to continue this war over here, I'm not going to be able to invade Taiwan the way I want to. You know, or maybe that's exactly what he needs, right? The U.S. kind of spending money in the Ukraine and then not wanting to go to defend Taiwan. And maybe that's the best diversionary tactic he could come up with. We'll get to that uh, as well. And I had teased a little bit about uh, some followers uh, that uh, received recently uh, at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media and um, a professional wrestler um, started following me. I'm wondering uh, if you guys could guess who it is. I'll reveal that in a little bit because uh, I was kind of uh, impressed. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm actually a fan of his too. So uh, that's pretty cool that he either listens to the show or see me on TV and uh, started following. So, um, we're going to get to your calls and uh, 
and some of this audio that I want to get to. There's a lot to do, and there's only an hour left. So let's get it cracking. Let's go to June in Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Hey, June, welcome. Hello. Well, thank you. You're um, welcome. I wanted to make a comment on the um, Winnie the Pooh, and mm-hmm. I just find it horrible that something like that is um, – out and about and is this a regular movie that you go to the theater to see it seems that way it seems like it's a uh, like a movie movie but uh, again i don't know who will pick it up nowadays after covid that kind of became a thing of the past and more people are trying to get a digital release you know so like netflix or something like that than an actual theater because they might have a bigger audience through netflix than they would in a theater right well i just feel like our whole culture had we we become like frogs in a um pan of water on a hot stove hmm. and we we just we're we're uh, it's um we're just getting used to things that are bad and horrible and messing with our children's minds um as a parent one of the jobs of a parent a big part of the job of being a parent is to um well to teach your children how um to survive in the world to be successful means to be productive and helpful and kind to others and this just feeds all kinds of bad thought seeds of of thoughts into a child and I, it just really really concerns me and i find it very upsetting and alarming and people should, i would mm-hmm. hope that people would uh, speak up and be outraged at such a thing it's it's we need to protect our child's innocence um, yeah i agree it's kind of like it's kind of like virginity once you lose it you lose it i mean you can't right. go back and children are being exposed to too much too fast and um, developmentally, it's not good for them. And we're reaping some of the consequences of that with all the violence um, by young people, um, school shootings and all that, it's mostly by fellow students. Um, it just all concerns me deeply. Yeah, June, I think you raise a, a bunch of interesting points that are really important. And this is a very important topic. And uh, irrespective of whether the film will be geared towards adults and adult version like you know there was a you know a, a more teen themed um uh, i think it was snow white or cinderella called maleficent that disney put out and it wasn't for little girls you know cuz i had little girls and then they grew and when they were like teenagers they they watched that and they were like oh it's cool it was a darker spin on it however um again i'll defend their right to to make this film and it's it's up to us i think to be the arbiters of that to say look we got to watch our children we have to protect our children that's our job and you know it, it's up to us to say if we're going to watch these things or not and i know for me i'm not watching it and i don't want my kids watching something like that at least not when they're young if they choose to do that when they're older that's fine you know one of the things that i like to watch uh now that we're talking about television and film is a a show that i didn't even watch when it, it was it had first come out first season I worked uh, at the time I worked for um, the governor of the state of New Jersey, who at the time was a Republican governor, Chris Christie. And there was a show called Jersey Shore. And it was uh, very controversial and wildly popular. But I didn't watch it because I'd heard about it. And uh, I, uh, what I was told was it was raunchy. It was, you know, kind of uh, very fresh, if you will. 
And it was just not something that, you know, um, I was like, all right, you know, I'm not going to watch it. I have little kids at home, so I, I didn't watch it. But as time went on and, and during my work, I, I met one of the um, original cast members of the show. Couldn't be nicer. It was, uh, helped me with a uh, fundraiser that I'd organized and put together to help with uh, relief for Hurricane Sandy. And, um, and, you know, I watched the show and realized it was funny for me. You know, as a, as a 30-something-year-old uh, dad of two, I, I would not – I told my kids, I don't want you watching that. <laughs> and not till you're like 16 or 17. And then at 16 or 17, I was like, wait till you're 18. Um, but the long story short here is th- there's different strokes for different folks, right? You know, and Jersey Shore, I think, was, um, you know, 21-plus kind of um, humor, in my, in my opinion. You know, I don't think it was ideal for, for kids that are 8, 9, 10, 11. You know, maybe if they're 16 and they're edgy, okay. But, um, you know, it, it has some mature themes. And we have to be very, very cautious of those things. And I agree with you, June. It's up to us to, to protect the child's innocence. Right. And and um, I'm TV free. I haven't had television since the 90s when I started. So what do you do, radio or read or both? Um, both. Yeah. And, yeah, I could uh, tell. You sound smart. People that listen to radio and read are always very smart. It activates well, a different part of the brain. Yeah, I cut the cable to save money and just never got it back. I've never had a flat screen TV. And so, I mean, it's been many, many years. I wouldn't know how to work one. Um, But, um, yeah, it's um, uh, there's just so much available for kids. And they can be exposed to so much. And developmentally, they they just don't have the um, capacity. And I'm... Uh, you know, kids' brains developing, and they're exposed to too much too soon, and it's just not good for them. And I think we're going to continue as a culture and our society to reap negative uh, benefits from it. And um, it just—I agree with that very much. Well, June, I want to thank you for calling in from Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Big shout out to everybody over there. Um, I've been out to Reading. My my family has a, a, a farm, not, you know, not near Reading, but, um, you know, on the way in um, right outside of Scranton, actually. It's a little bit of a hike. But uh, love Pennsylvania. Big shout out to uh, all of our listeners over there. And thank you for your call. Feel free to call in anytime. It's a good conversation with you. And we're going to get to the rest of your calls from Michigan and other places all across this fruited plain with me, Rich Valdez, on America at Night. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, I made it back just in time. I was just fixing my hair, peinando el pelo in the bathroom. And I want to continue with your calls. Give us a call, 833-482-5337-833, the number four, Valdez, and that's Valdez with an S. Uh, We're going to get to your calls on a number of, of topics because it's Open Phone America. This is a tradition started by the late Larry King and continued by the great Jim Bohannon for 
45 years of Open Phone America in this uh, in New York time, the midnight hour, where you get to sound off and let your voice be heard. And I am going to uphold that tradition as long as I am here. Let us go to Michigan on KDKA, Shields, Michigan. Let's check in with Kim. How are you, Kim? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi, Rich. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, what I'm calling about is uh, all the stories that are out about Zelensky going hat in hand to um, Z, the president of China, uh, the CCP. And uh, I've heard different things. Uh, a number of the stories say he's there trying to get Z to work with Putin to figure out a re- resolve this war. And I heard on one of my shows that he's actually going there trying to get money from the Communist Party of China. And doesn't he realize, doesn't Zelensky realize that Z will chew him up and spit him out? And, and the other thing is, is any country that the Chinese Communist Party has come into contact with, um, the people end up, like, they, they end up in gulags doing forced labor and being involuntary live organ donors. Look at the Uyghurs, the Tibetans, and Falun Gong. And while I'm at that, um, what is Putin thinking? Because same thing. Um, Z will move into Russia and... and you know, imprison their people. That's what he does everywhere he goes. You know what I mean? I don't know what Zelensky is thinking. Do you? Yeah, I don't. Uh, but I can say this. I What I don't know is, I don't know that he's, they're even going to have this meeting. I know he's saying he'd like to have the meeting. I don't know if is if that's happening, if maybe I'm behind the times here. Um, I'm pretty sure he'll take whatever meetings that they give him. Ultimately, I think uh, Zelensky wants to not get destroyed. And I think Putin will destroy him. And he's looking at, uh, he's appealing to big brother China saying, look, I'll work with anybody. I'll work with the U S I'll work with you. doesn't matter who you are, whomever you be that can protect me and allow me to continue doing what we're doing here in Ukraine. You're my guy. And this is, um, this is, I think one of the things that's, that's most important to, to realize is that Biden's going about this the wrong way. I've never said, you know, I'm not the guy on the radio saying that the Ukrainians are all money laundering bad guys and they're all corrupt and they have biolab weapons and they're, I'm not a pro-Putin propagandist. I I think that Putin is a bad guy. I think Zelensky is uh, an indifferent guy. And I think the United States has a role in helping, but they don't have to send $150 billion to fund the war. And I think that's where the problem is. So, yeah, I think Zelensky's realizing the political will for Biden to continue giving money is going away. I think he realizes that, you know, Trump was helpful to him and gave him lethal aid. Now Biden has come in and has given him lethal aid. Uh, I think he's realizing it might this gravy train may run out and he'll be demolished. So he needs help from somewhere. And I think he's appealing to, you know, to, to the mainland, motherland, China, saying, please check your man over here. <laughs> your crazy man, Vlad, because he's going to destroy us. Ultimately, I think that's the play. Kim. Oh, OK. Thanks, Rich. You're welcome, Kim. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, let us continue here and let's go to Ron in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Ron, welcome. KMA, you're on with Rich Valdez. 
Good evening, Rich. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Rich, tonight on the uh, late night news, I believe it was NBC with David Muir. It could have been ABC. Mm-hmm. And they had Murdoch on there. He owns Fox News. And he said Corp, that yeah. under oath, he had to admit that his reporters on Fox News were lying when they talked about Trump's election, that they made up lies. They talked about uh, the machines, the voting machines were all screwed up and the Democrats somehow got in there and played with the machines. And he said, uh, after reviewing that and being put on the hot seat by the Justice Department, uh, some of those reporters may not be there tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, we all have different views about what's going on in the world. I try to keep up with it. Uh, I yeah. just listened to your last uh, speaker, this gal, and she seemed to be very knowledgeable about China. And, and they must have it in for those people they're killing over there. Because China right now has put $130 billion into Colombia, and they are putting in their big gantry cranes on the Panama Canal. They are pouring money into that country like you wouldn't believe. I don't know Mm -hmm. what they're up to. So they're being sweethearts on one hand to take over our southern hemisphere and killing off and putting people, like she said, in the gulags on the other. They're almost as bad as what's going on with Fox News. But my, <laughs> yeah. I'm covering a lot of subjects. But let me get back to this thing with Fox News very quickly. Sure. Uh, you you know, got about 30 Nazis seconds, by the way, before the music kicks minister. in. And all I'm saying is let's at least tell each other the truth. And sometimes it's not very pleasant. But everybody hung their hat on Fox News. Well, Fox News, even though they're far right and they're, they are Republican, uh, you know, they didn't do themselves any favor when they lied to the public like that. And now we'll see what Murdoch does. Like I said, he owns Fox News. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things you have to remember with these things, right, is um, whether it's radio or TV, you know, when you're in the commercial break and you hear somebody do, you know, on your local station, give you a top of the hour, bottom of the hour news break. uh, The same thing happens in television. You have some anchors and reporters there at Fox News, and it was never in question. In fact, they were the first ones to call this thing for Biden. However, there are opinion hosts there that give their opinion on things and say, hey, look, I don't think that went right. I think there was a lot of malfeasance here, there and everywhere else. And, and there are a number of very legitimate situations outside of the voting machines. So, you know, it, these are two sides of the same coin, I think, and people confuse them as one thing. But uh, interesting points, and Murdoch's deposition is telling. We'll continue that discussion after this. It's Open Phone America. I'm Rich Valdez. Thanks, Ron. China does go ahead and give the lethal support that your intelligence shows they're considering giving to Russia. Can you please be specific about how the U.S. would respond? Well, again, you're talking about a hypothetical situation because at present, China has not moved forward as far as we can discern. We have not seen them do it. 
And I would prefer to keep our messages to China on this question, what the consequences would be in the private high-level diplomatic channels that we have established to discuss these issues. Secretary Blinken saw China's top diplomat, Wang Yi, just a few days ago in Munich. They had a detailed conversation on this subject. Secretary Blinken laid out the U.S. position and perspective, and I'm going to leave that important and grave uh, set of conversations around the stakes of China coming in behind Russia and their war in Ukraine for behind closed doors. That is uh, State Department spokesperson Jake Sullivan. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, uh, National Security Advisor uh, Jake Sullivan. Uh, and he was on CNN yesterday with Dana Bash. And he's dodging the question on whether the United States will actually respond. Now, I guess, listen, it is a hypothetical. That, that part is fair. But the part that I think is a little bit beyond the pale here is, Answer the question. You know, I mean, let's just let's if somebody punches you in the face, what are you going to do? I'm not sure. That's a hypothetical. Yeah, bro. But if they really punch you in the face, what are you going to do? That's what I want to know, because the American people want to know exactly what's going on here. Right. Are we going to defend ourselves? Because we already know they can send balloons in 200 feet wide balloons. And uh, clearly we do nothing. Right. So we want to know if. Russia backs China with lethal aid. What's next? Because we know that China's on the move in Taiwan. China's on the move in the U.S. China is on the move now. And and Zelensky's looking for a piece of the action. He's looking for a piece of the the peace pipe, if you will, because he doesn't want to have his ass handed to him. So we're going to see what happens. Now, speaking of Asia, making a uh, not so smooth segue here. I spent the weekend in Princeton, New Jersey, at Princeton University. My daughter, uh, who attends Liberty University and is on their Taekwondo uh, team, was competing there. And uh, it was a really wonderful time. I enjoyed it. And um, it's a beautiful, picturesque campus. I'd been once before, but uh, I had a better chance to see it yesterday. And it was uh, it really, really it was an enjoyable time. I, I had a really good time there. And... Um, and I told you guys that I would be revealing my uh, my latest uh, celebrity follower uh, on, on Twitter, at Rich Valdez with an S, by the way. And I want to get some of your thoughts, though, on who you think it might be. It's a professional wrestler, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. But let us go now to uh, – where was I going here? Right here. Rehoboth, Delaware, WXDE. Billy, what's going on, my man? Hey, Rich. I, yes, sir. Three quick things. First yep. – uh, I talked to you 10 days ago. I'm the one that my father gave me a painting career. Yeah. And my mother gave me the red behind. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's 10 days now. Anyway, uh, how did your daughter do yesterday? Yeah, she had a, an incredible first round, uh, 12-0 uh, her first round. She really did her thing. Uh, in the second round, she caught a stomach cramp. Uh, it, it, right at the beginning of the round. And, you know, so she was like holding her stomach with one hand and, and blocking and kicking, you know, with her other hand and, uh, and her foot. And it was, uh, it was tough for her to get through. So it didn't go her way, but, um, she, you know, she, she gave it her all and, and I'm always very proud of her, but it was, it was tough. And I think she learned a good lesson of, you know, you, you, you still have to keep going, you know, even if you're in the middle of a, of a bad stomach cramp. So I think she learned a valuable lesson. Well, my daughter, she's in in the arts. Also, I talked to you on the on the radio the uh, yeah a few weeks ago. Uh, she's going for her master's in a month. Awesome! Wow, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, 
That's she fantastic. Same thing, Taekwondo or which martial art? Uh, no, she's in. Uh, um, 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 uh, it's uh, uh, it's the Korean Martial Arts Institute. Uh, oh, so it, uh, judo? Um, uh, there's a little bit. Of, there is a little Taekwondo in it, but it's actually. Um, um, oh, I'll think of it in a second. But the third <laughs> thing I wanted to talk, I, I'll get yeah, right back right to ahead. you on that. It's uh, sure. It's um, it's Korean. Anyway, it's a Korean yeah. martial. Well, I know the Korean martial art. The only one I know is Taekwondo. Yeah, no, it's um, um, oh, Tong Shido. Oh, okay. I, I'm not familiar with that one. But anyway, what's your other point? Yeah. Uh, the third one was a real quick one about the Biden crime family. Go right ahead. And, uh, what do you know about Frank and his uh, dealings with the uh, uh, a golf course, country club, a, a resort in Costa Rica? Is this another Biden brother, Frank Biden? Frank is the youngest of the Biden. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. James has got his elbows deep in, in the uh, in the Biden uh, dough. Uh, but no, I, I didn't know uh, what he was doing there. Yeah, tell me what's going well, on. He he bought a bu- he bought a bunch of land in Costa Rica some years back. It was under the uh, it was under Obama, as a matter of fact. And he bought this land and uh, had these big ideas about this resort, and but they had no electricity. So <laughs> the United States gave Costa Rica uh, money to build a solar field or you know system for the area. U.S. to the rescue. They, they always seem to right. manage to get into things. The contract built the solar field was Frank Biden. Frank Biden did build. <laughs> The resort. <laughs> I love it. And, you can't uh, make it up, Bill. You really can. I appreciate the call. WXDE. Uh, big shout out to everybody uh, out there who is a neighbor of Joe Biden's, like Bill is in Rehoboth, Delaware. Uh, let us continue on this journey uh, to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA, the other side of the, the country here. Uh, Farentino, what's up, my man? You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Uh, did you hear the term or uh, the phrase "the real McCoy"? Sir, I did actually. When I was a kid, I remember my dad telling me, you know, in his uh, his thick Puerto Rican accent, he said, "Mira, macho, that's the real McCoy." And I was like, "What's the real McCoy?" And he was like, "Lo patita McCoy." And I was like, "What?" And he's like, it's "Little pills called McCoy." <laughs> and I was like, "There's little pills called McCoy. What's going on here?" And that's all I know about it. Uh, well, where it came from is there was a black man that was an engineer. He was from Canada. They sent him to Scotland when he was 15 to be an engineer. He came back and invented this uh, pump for uh, mining. And uh, it was so good, people tried to copy it, but they would say, is this the real McCoy? Wow. And I guess the McCoy Pill Company, I guess, picked up on it and using, you know, the real McCoy as one of their slogans uh, to commercialize their product. Well, that's fascinating. I did not know that. And that's a cool value add, being that we were uh, discussing Black History Month a little bit earlier. Thank you, brother. I appreciate your contribution there because that's a factoid I didn't know. And I'm full of useless factoids. (laughs) I love that. People love to play board games with me. Those trivia games, I'm so good at them. Anyway, uh, more to come and your calls. We've got calls from the East Coast lined up and Montana. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, we're going to continue with your calls. There's so many stories I want to get to. Just let me mention them uh, because um, they're so good. <laughs> and I really wanted to delve into them. There's this story about a guy who was like involved in drug sales and whatnot. And he, to disguise himself, had a face transplant. He's from Thailand. And he transplanted the face of a man from Korea on his face so that he could fit in somewhere else and like evade. This is just a crazy story. Another one uh, that we're looking at is there's a guy uh, in Florida just charged with over one ton, the weight, worth of child pornography. Listen to this. Ocala, Florida. An Ocala man was arrested on Thursday after thousands of pounds of child pornography material was found in his home. His name, Paul Zittel or Zittel, Z-I-T-T-E-L, 72 years old. He was taken into custody on 25 counts of possession of child pornography. The Marion County Sheriff's Office reported they received a tip in January that files of child sexual abuse had been posted to the Internet. After the investigation, it was discovered that the IP address belonged to Mr. Zittel. A search warrant was granted for his residence. Upon searching his home, other occupants stated that he would not allow others to go into his bedroom or office without being personally escorted. Detectives found countless photos showing child sexual assault, abuse, and other material. This is crazy. Oh, my gosh. There's a picture of it. Insane. Looks like an Amazon warehouse. It's all boxed up. So I guess this guy had hard copies of child porn. What a sicko. Anyway. This is absolutely horrible. I will um, actually tweet this out so that it's not a tweet. It's a Facebook. Those are harder to share in with one click. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll tweet out the article uh, if they have the Twitter button. Here it is. This is horrible. Anyway, I want to get to your calls on this and everything else we were talking about tonight about how, you know, the, the attack on children overall. This is just uh, no bueno in my opinion. Let's go to Melissa in Guttenberg, New Jersey, all four blocks. WFAS, Melissa, welcome. Hello, all four blocks, yes. I'd like to start with um, guessing the wrestler. I wanted to go with Macho Man Randy Savage, but I know oh. he's no longer with us. But Macho yeah, Man would have been perfect for a macho. I, oh, yes, El Macho. That's how I identify on radio and in real life. <laughs> I'm going to go for either The Rock or John Cena. So, um, because, you know, I want to see the eyebrow or, you know, just, they're just, just both so nice to look at. Well, I'm not going to reveal it just yet because I want to get a few other people to, to tell me what they think. And then I will say. <laughs> but uh, what's your thought on uh, yeah. on Pooh Bear? Yeah, Winnie the Pooh. So at first I was thinking it was more. See, I happen to love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, one of my favorite movies ever. And I was thinking maybe it was like, you know, the original, like the book was very dark. So when they did the actual Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it was more like the book. But I don't. I was thinking your direction on the serial killer Winnie the Pooh. Like I, he's like a sweet little bear, and I'm really trying to just understand, like why, like what do you think is the ultimate purpose, like the goal? I don't understand. It's like 
I'm yeah, lost. It seems. Like Charlie Brown. I'm with you. I was kind of lost on it, too. But uh, after listening to the director, it seems that he sees the world through the lens of horror and slasher films. And so he, he looks at anything he looks at, the inspiration starts flowing. And he's like, oh, I could turn this. You know, so I'm sure he looks at Joe Biden and, uh, yeah, folks, uh, I got hairy legs and all these crazy things. And I'm sure he's turning Joe Biden into a slasher. And in many ways, he is a slasher of our economy. But that's just the inspiration that this guy has. So I think that's how it was. Because at the end, there was a quote. I don't know if you, you got to hear that part. But he said he, he would love to work on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they had a rat king and they liked pizza. And he would have these guys leave their secret sewer lair and go out with their weapons and kill people, chop them up, put them onto slices of pizza and feed them to their rat king. And, and he said, it's already kind of dark if you think about it. And I was like, man, only that guy would see, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that way, Melissa. And you know what? And I get it. And, you know, as a lover of true crime and criminal justice and all that type of stuff, I totally get it. I was just wondering why Winnie, I was thinking like Scooby-Doo, you know, you can make them like totally have hallucinated on whatever drugs they were on and totally <laughs> go crazy and kill people. You know what I'm saying? But right. I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And I look forward to hearing who the wrestler is. So, oh, yes. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. All right. And uh, we will continue here uh, because there is a, uh, let me see, where are we going with this one? Uh, 99, da 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 Detroit. I forget who was next here. Sue. Sue in Schwenksville, Pennsylvania, 105.9 Forever Radio, Milford, Delaware. What's up, Sue? Hey, so I've got a couple of things for you on the Winnie the Pooh topic. First of all, you remember, of course, you're too young to remember, but back in the day, there was a cartoon called Felix the Cat. Was on I TV, remember right? Felix the Cat. Uh, like the okay. same era as Mr. Magoo. That's right. And in 1972, which I recall very well because I was a, you know, a young adult at the time, they came out with a movie called Fritz the Cat. And it was a cartoon, but it was an X-rated cartoon. Wow. And X-rated yeah, cat cartoon? It was X-rated, but it was a cartoon. And, you know, there was sex and everything in it. And... uh you know, all the heads went to the movie to see that. Everybody went stoned to see this movie because it was really funny. And, and I think you can still get it online, uh, you know. So it was, that was an, <laughs> a precursor for this type of thing. It was yeah. really funny. It was, uh, I think R. Crumb, who did a lot of those, uh, you know, cartoons, uh, uh, you know, about weed and everything, you know, he did that, I think. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up and mention to you was this yeah. week, my husband, my husband was looking at the local paper, you know, just this little small town paper. And, you know, these small town papers, they get a lot of content from somewhere else. You know, they buy content sure. and, or they get syndicated. Yeah, Associated Press, et cetera. Exactly. So Popeye, the Popeye cartoon, it was in this last week's paper. I'm going to read some of this to you just so you can get the flavor of it. Okay. Brutus says to a female there who's mopping the floor. He says, hey, Lyndon, can I ask you a question? She says, sure thing, Brutus. Valentine's Day is this week. Would you like to go on a date? And she says, oh, gee, I'm really sorry. And then he says, it's okay. I get it. She says, oh, it's not that. I only date women. That's all. <laughs> you can't escape it. I can tell you during the age of Popeye, nobody was talking about that stuff. Uh 
now it's it's wherever you go they're talking about that stuff. Everything is being redone that way. It reminds me when the president of Disney said that they're going to redo all of their characters until half of them, at least half of them, represented the LGBTQIA plus uh, spectrum. I think it's um, I think it's uh, a little much. Honestly, I think it's a little much. But Sue, I thank you for the call and uh, the shout out to Felix the Cat. I appreciate that. Uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, if we go right now, they'll kick me off. So uh, we'll take a quick pause right here. We'll come back and we'll do a marathon sprint from South Carolina to Detroit, Michigan to Evergreen, Montana and back again. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. I want to continue the conversation and remind you that you can always listen to the show. If the local station you're listening to doesn't carry all three hours and you want to hear it all and you want to hear it live, which is how I recommend it because nothing is better than live and late night radio. But you can always check us out on our streaming website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. Uh, I tweet it out every night. You should be able to grab it there. I also tweeted out some of those articles I was talking about, about the drug lord who changed his face. But let us continue with the calls. Let's go to Gary in Detroit, listening online. Go right ahead, sir. Uh, the the origin of the Rio McCoy I, I have heard began in the state of Alabama, of all places, that uh, two opposing Irish gangs in Alabama, that people would go around and say, they're McCoy, they're McCoy, they're McCoy. Um, the real McCoy was the, uh, was the gangster, and uh, it wasn't Biden or it wasn't uh, Kennedy, it was McCoy, McCoy. And therefore, it was, which one are you? I'm the real McCoy. That's funny. All right. I got it. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Let's go to Tom in Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Go right ahead, sir. Hey, Rich. Thanks for letting me talk. Uh, I understand time is short, so I'm going to be brief. The guy yes, that sir. called earlier about complaining about Fox News and mm-hmm. uh, uh, whatever it was he was complaining they did, well, he obviously has been brainwashed by NBC, CBS, ABC, MSNBC, CNN, PBR, PBS, NPR. None of them are telling the truth about anything. They're all Democrat operatives, as is the FBI and the Justice Department. You never hear about the uh, killings going on in Iran. They're killing all these women that are protesting. You don't hear about that. You don't hear about the cartels setting up shop in every state in the country since Biden opened the border. You don't hear about the people dying coming over uh, to try and get into the country. You don't hear about anything. Tom, you know what? You're 100% right. They're kicking me out of the studio, banging on the door, telling me I got to go. The next guy's got to come in. But I thank you for the call. Hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night and God bless. I'm Rich Valdez. We're going to do it again tomorrow. 
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.